Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question. This podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. Shout out to the Fallible Nation. You guys are amazing. You keep things like this possible. You guys make it possible for us to keep bringing these amazing guests, and I have an amazing one for you today. And welcome to our first-time listeners. My name is Brent, and today my special guest is American Christian political candidate Jeff Zink. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, uh, Brent. I'm just glad to be here, and I'm glad that um, I've got a fellow partner in Christ and being able to uh, uh, go through this world together. Absolutely. Now, Jeff is running for the U.S. House of Representatives in Arizona's 3rd District, right in the heart of Phoenix, on the Republican Party ticket, American First candidate, and a constitutionalist. Now, for all our listeners, let me be very clear. We're going to be talking about faith and politics and living your authentic self in this episode. That tends to be a hot point for some people, so be aware. Now, make sure you have your big boy pants on, and let's hear someone else's thoughts, regardless of if you agree or not, and you will learn and grow regardless of how you stand on it. Jeff, the first question I always ask is, who is Jeff Zink right now in your own words? My own words, uh, somebody who's actually fallible, uh, somebody who is uh, walking this uh, world by faith, one of the things that I try to do is as an ordained minister, when I'm talking to people, when I'm uh, working with uh, someone that are that's questioning the, the surroundings of what's going on, that we have a God that's on, on the throne, that we have somebody that we can place or trust in when it doesn't look like there's anybody trusting. So for myself, where I'm at in this point, um, I've spent over 50 years um, reading the Bible, and God has called me to uh, now be a true leader uh, of our country uh, and all of the things that that encompasses, uh, especially in this day and time. Jeff, you fractured your neck 40 years ago. We, we passed some emails back and forth before this, and I can seriously identify I fractured my neck in the beginning of January 2020. Uh, that was that was not a fun experience, but yours led to headaches just nonstop. Can you tell your story real quick? Sure. My testimony started uh, 40 years ago. I uh, was playing college football at Texas Tech University. Um, I uh, fractured my neck. I started having a <laughs> uh, longhorn, huh? <laughs> and so uh, one of the things that happened uh, was those headaches, but I was able to, you know, go past those. My pain level tolerance was high enough that, you know, I wouldn't allow it to affect my life. I had a very good career in sports medicine, was able to travel the country. I worked with several professional teams, um, got to see the best athletes in our country. But the thing is, is that, um, about nine years ago uh, here in Phoenix, I walked into Burroughs ER with a blood pressure of 248 over 198. Wow. Uh, I should have met God that day. Yeah. Uh, I really did. But he's got a plan. The other thing, too, is, is that I was in really good shape because I was also an NCAA basketball official. So I was running up and uh, down a uh, college basketball court 
uh, about three to four times a week. And then in the off season, I always ran and stayed in really good shape. So that combination is what kept me here. The thing is, is that over the next five years, none of the doctors could figure out why my headaches were getting so intense and so frequent that I ended up becoming 100% disabled. So I literally lived on a couch in bed and I paced the floor for two and a half years. And in, in doing so, going through that valley, um, I, I, I never cursed God. Now I can't say that I didn't curse at him, but I never cursed God. I never turned my back on God. Uh, you know, the thing is, is that I was going, you know, I was a deacon in my church. I was leading people to Christ. I was teaching at a Christian university. I was uh, always talking to kids and uh, officials and uh, about Christ. Uh, I mean, he was always the center focus of my life um, to the point that my wife, I was able to bring her to Christ and baptize her. So my relationship with my wife uh, is one that is super strong in the fact that I am the spiritual leader. However, she watched me struggle just to get through a day. Uh, literally, it was if I can breathe and, and get past this pain for the next uh, you know one minute, I'm fine. And I lived from second to second to minute to minute to hour to hour for two and a half years. And so one on December 24th of 2020, that night changed at three o'clock. And the reason why is, is that I, I changed my prayer. My prayer th uh, that night was, Father, I don't want to live this life any longer. I was really, I, I was getting to the uh, end here where I was struggling. The pain was so severe that I started struggling with even surviving any longer. And I said, I don't want to live this life anymore, but whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I will go do that and I will be your faithful servant. Well, as you're in front of me, so did God stand in front of me. I'm going to break your headaches. I'm going to restore your health and I'm going to send you to Congress to represent my people. Now, I can tell you that I had a headache every day for 40 years in the last two and a half I had migraines that were unbreakable by any medications, everything that the doctors tried for uh, that nine years, they couldn't do anything. When God showed up, my headache broke. I couldn't walk across the living room floor without getting out of breath. That's how deconditioned I had gotten. I spent uh, 12 weeks walking door to door six to eight hours a day, six to 10 miles a day, getting signatures to be placed on the ballot. I think my health has been restored. The only thing that needs to be uh, to finish this three-part prophecy that was given to me on December 24th of 2020 is to be placed in Congress to represent his people. So, I'll go ahead and answer a question that's, that it invariably ever happens. What makes me different than any other congressman? Because when you go to Washington, D.C., you're going, you're, you know, you uh, go down, you change, you do all these things. The reason what makes me different is this. I am more terrified of my heavenly father giving me back my headaches 
and putting me back on a couch and and forgetting me because that's what I thought I was during that two and a half years. So whatever man can do, and I've already had these uh, conversations. I've had phone calls where people have said, hey, we will give you all the money that you want if you'll drop out of the race. I've had people that would say, if you will, uh, you know, be, allow us to be on your uh, congressional staff, we will make sure that you have more than enough money in order to do this. There's nothing on this earth that they can bribe me with or have me done, uh, do anything. So um, right now what's happened is, is that not only are the uh, Republican National uh, Convention and the Arizona uh, Grand Ole Party, the GOP, they have told me that they will not give me any time, money, effort, or resources. And my I'm literally dying on the vine because I don't have people, you know, donating to my campaign and they're actually going against it. So for me, um, I'm either going to walk the faith of what I said I was going to do. And I, and again, I have a motivation because I don't forget the headaches and the time and the struggles of every second of the day. And God has given me, I have so much energy. I don't have those headaches. I'm able to do whatever I need to do. Um, and it's, and so for me, I'm motivated to make sure that I represent God's people. And so that's, that's my testimony. That's why I'm running, uh, and for this uh, position and why is it that I, I chose, uh, you know, uh, Congress is because that's what God told me. Okay. I, I actually have no problem with that. I know some people struggle with that concept, but, uh, I, I have my own moment with Jesus story. So that's, but that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, takeaways. No, I'm not actually a longhorn. My household was hilarious growing up because my dad's a longhorn. My mom's an A&M. Oh, okay. So yeah. It was, <laughs> it was always very exciting around our house around that game. Uh, but you know, good schools. I, I like them both actually, but good schools, but I always had to tease people because like, ah. Eh. Yep. Um, well, and the thing is, is I've got a bunch of nephews and nieces that have graduated from uh, A&M. They've gone there, you know, and I support that school as well. They're really, really good. Um, and, you know, and the Longhorns, I, I never I never won against them. They beat they beat us up every time that I when I was there. So, you know, it's, it, it just is what it is. <laughs> if you're not a Texan, that's that's probably outside. That may be a little outside your grasp. But if you have two major rival schools in your state like i live in washington state we have the huskies and the cougars in gonzaga and mm -hmm. east but the huskies and the cougars that's i think that's that is the dividing point in washington you're either a cougars fan or a husky fan there's if you're not no one cares but yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have some of my zag friends be like hey i heard that so <laughs> jeff let me ask you how do you feel about being in politics with your faith? Because there are a lot of people who would have difficulty reconciling the two. Well, the thing is, is that um, what happens uh, more than anything else, people sit down and they have good intentions at the beginning. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I do uh, as a, a regular basis is this. Ecclesiastes 10.2 tells us this. 
that while a wise man always goes to the right, a fool goes to the left. Now, jokingly, I always tell everybody that, you know, even the Bible tells you don't vote Democrat. But um, the thing is, is that it, it, we need to get past Republican and, and Democrat. What we need to do is, is we need to have what is right and what is wrong. God is what is good. God is what is great. And, and we need to recognize that and act accordingly. And so one of the things that when people uh, sit down and they actually ask me uh, that question, um, I, what I do is, is I just tell them, um, I am protecting myself. I have a string of pastors that I've now pulled together that we do, we do prayer time together. Uh, we pray, I pray every day, uh, sometimes four or five times a day when I'm uh, working with different uh, things and as things come up. Um, I know that I'm going to a lion's den and I know that when I come out of that lion's den that um, I don't have uh, the stench of, uh, of holiness about me. So one of the things that I've done is, is I've got uh, pastors that uh, at the end of the day uh, are going to call me and, and we're going to pray. And then the other thing is, is that when I get on the plane and I come back to Phoenix, uh, Arizona on the weekends, um, I have at least one or two of the uh, pastors will meet me at the airport. And as we're driving to my house, uh, we're praying. The thing is, is that I know that I will change being a part of something that is so evil. I'm not a fool in understanding that. And so as a fool, I'm not, I, I would not be prepared for me at my uh, age in life. I've dealt with Satan and, and his demons, uh, you know, for uh, 60 years now of my life. And the thing is, is that I'm sitting here and I'm going, I know your ways. I know what's going on. And I know that I'm not going to be tempted beyond what I can, uh, you know, stand, but I, but the battle that I'm faced with now is so much greater that I need that support. And so I've already started a network of pastors and people that are going to hold me accountable. And guess what? You've now been uh, officially, uh, since you have my, my phone number and everything else, you're officially a part of that group where you're gonna be able to call me directly and talk to me and help me and, and stay the path because uh, iron sharpens iron. And if I said that, oh, you know, I got this, this is nothing, um, then that's prideful. And pride, man, it, it, that's what you have right before the great fall. Well, for me, I'm going with so much, hopefully, humility that uh, people will start to recognize that, okay, well, maybe he is different. Maybe what he's talking about, because I need to take the Bible and the Constitution, and I have to introduce it back into our federal government because it's been removed. And that's the problem that we have. Jeff, I'll give you the T-ball question for the night. What's your favorite ice cream? My favorite ice cream. Oh, gosh. And I'm in, uh, I in a uh, basement as well, because that's how we got our president. <laughs> um, 
Chocolate uh, Rocky Road, I think, is probably one of my favorite uh, ice creams uh, there. But, boy, I'm telling you, uh, if you just have any ice cream, I'm pretty much all over it. <laughs> I found the ice cream was the great unifier. I think we can, like, just create world peace with ice cream. Everybody can get behind ice cream. That's exactly right. So so I always ask people, right, because we, we can be on totally different planes on a hundred other things. <laughs> I know lactose intolerant people who love ice cream. So, you know, it's kind of a universal thing. Yes, it is. How do you define living authentically and how do we do that as men? Well, the main thing is, is that um, <clears throat> every day you look in the mirror and you've got to look at the reflection that's coming back. Um, God ha- has given us so many uh, days, so many seconds. He says that uh, not only does he know the hair, how many hairs uh, are on my head, uh, but he knows everything about us. And what he's looking to do is, is are, are we going to honor him or not? And I can tell you that I probably fail him, you know, 40, 50, 100, 200 times a day, not, not a week. I'm talking about a day where you know, I get, gosh, I could have said that better. I could have been more compassionate. I could have uh, addressed these issues um, a little bit different, uh, especially when I'm dealing with people that really don't believe the way I I believe. And they think that, you know, God's not real, uh, that the world is all we have, uh, that, that they don't have hope. And boy, it's a struggle to sit down and, and make sure that my words uh, are accountable. And so those are things that uh, I know that I struggle with. I, I go and I, I ask for forgiveness. Um, I, and that's the part that I will do going to Washington, D.C. And so, um, you know, when I'm elected and hopefully I'll be back on your show um, at some point where I'm now a true congressman, and stuff and you know start throwing those things of this this uh interview back at me well you said this you you were implying this you know what's changed or go gosh everything you said you had prepared for and now when we throw this back there you're still living the same thing that's that's what god wants us to do every day as men godly men he doesn't mind that we fail but if you do fail, be honest. You know, uh, there's times where my I screw up and my wife, I look at her and I have to go back to her and I have to ask for forgiveness. And I have to say, you know what? I was too sharp. I, 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 I that was not how I wanted that to come out. Um, you know, and she's faithful to forgive me. Um, I'm still waiting. I married somebody who's perfect. So I'm still waiting for her to make a mistake. Uh, but she, and she hasn't yet. So, you know, but she's stuck with me and I'm, I'm definitely fallible. <laughs> I can identify with that. My, my wife keeps me pretty honest. I, I definitely uh, got the up, upper hand on that deal. She, she got the South end of the deal for sure. Now, yep. Jeff, I had a great conversation with a mutual friend of ours, Gene Valentino. That's how we met about getting people involved in their local politics. And it seems that you're going farther than just local politics, which is awesome. But do you think that everyday men should get involved with their local politics, if at all possible in their area and why? Oh, absolutely. Well, for for a couple of reasons. Here's the thing. 
if you're involved locally um, and here in Arizona, the, the grassroots, whether you, doesn't matter what party you're in, uh, is called a precinct committeeman. And what they do is, is we have a meeting once a month and they're, they're able to go over all of the information and then you're responsible for 125 people. And then you take the information that you've learned out of that monthly meeting um, and go out and have like a neighborhood get together. Um, we, we have uh, cookouts and stuff and we invite people over, we talk to them and stuff. And then like with myself, um, we've got uh, several of them that are coming up where we're gonna be going to churches and we're gonna be showing 2000 mules. We're gonna be showing uh, different uh, Christian movies. And then we talk about those things, but that's that's at the, at the local level. And if you can, and here's the thing, the most important that a man can do See, woman has been given uh, God's creation. She creates life inside of her, and she nurtures the children and everything else. Godly men are supposed to lead them. Now, if you uh, don't know if you're a leader, look behind you. Because if there's no one behind you following you, then you're not a leader. But if you've got people that are willing to follow behind you, then you know that you're a leader. And being a part of the school boards is probably the most important that a man can do uh, in local politics because now you're going to be overseeing the curriculum. And a lot of them can say, hey, look, I just barely got through high school. I don't have your degrees. I don't have your education and everything else. Let me tell you something. Do you know right from wrong? Because if you've read the Bible and you have Jesus in your heart, and you and you are willing to put yourself on the line every time, then I, I promise you, then fighting for a children and how they're being educated. See, the thing is, is that critical race theory, God says that we he draws all men to him. But what does Satan do? He wants to divide us. He wants to separate us from our, our Savior. And stuff. And so, what we do is, is we sit down and we look at this and we go, uh, "Where can I make a change?" Well, you make a change with the the children that's in your home. You make a change by the friends that they bring into your home. And then, if you want to truly make change, then you get on a school board. If you if if a school board, if that's something that uh, uh, you've done then you can go into city council or uh, board of supervisors, or you can start running for a state legislature. The thing is, is that whatever God calls you to do, whatever level that is, be involved, be, be uh, you know, the thing is, and you and I both know this, what are great fathers? Who makes a great father? The guy that's there, the guy that that screws up, that makes mistakes, that does things, but yet they 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 just work their way through it. It's exactly the same thing. So we so the thing is, um, what I always tell people is this: if you're afraid to share your faith with another person, the good news that Jesus Christ died on a cross once and for all for all of our sins. If you're afraid to tell them then you're you're literally holding back 
and not doing and being obedient to our Heavenly Father, which said, go and tell the world of the good news. So what we need to do is, is we need to start looking at that. And instead of critical race theory, how about critical thinking skills? Instead of, uh, you know, some of the things that are being taught, if we have men and, and women of God that are sitting on these school boards and looking at the curriculum, then we don't have uh, uh, gay rights coming in, drag queens coming in. And, uh, and why? Because if they can get to our small children and they can affect them, then they will make them uh, uh, inefficient adults that are, are wounded and crippled for life. And what we need to do as godly men is set in that doorway. You need to. You, we need to learn to be the sheepdogs. We're protecting our families, and if other other men can't stand in that way by getting on a school board, you can do that for a lot of men who may may not uh, have that opportunity. So it's really important. We're we're doing things and being obedient to God, and that's why it's so important for us to to get involved. All right. I think you basically answered it, but Sarah asked, uh, how will you suggest people get involved in politics? What's the best place to start? Absolutely. So what you can do is, is you can look up uh, what is called legislative districts meetings, um, and you can Google that in, uh, in its uh, LD uh, meetings. So if you put uh, South Phoenix LD11, you would pull up our website um, it tells you we just had a meeting on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday nights, uh, the second Tuesday of every month. Uh, we meet. It gives you the location where we're going to be meeting at, the time. We normally have food and drinks there. It's a good time to talk. But then we sit down and we start strategizing. And then we bring other candidates that are running, say, we've got a governor's race, we've got a Senate race, we've got all these different uh, uh, candidates we bring them in, let them speak, and they get to ask them questions just like what you're doing with me. And you get to find out about them one-on-one -on -one and then find out how they are. Um, I Hopefully, if anybody goes to my website and, and takes a look at some of the speeches that I have, you're going to see that I don't change that much. I'm I'm just as the same person in front of a whole bunch of people as I am one on one, like I am here. That's that's incredibly important. We just uh, we just actually Sarah and I just wrapped up our first in person conference. We did a uh, role model male role model and father figure conference uh, recently. The Phoenix is the shirt I'm wearing actually, and uh, that was one of the top things the minute the conference talked about for a role model is that consistency in who they are uh, just across the board in every situation. That was one of the things that men most looked up to in other men and in role models for themselves is that integrity of this is who I am, period. No matter where you catch me, no matter what I'm doing, this is who I am. And in, mm -hmm. in a congressional candidate, that's a huge thing, right? Because everybody can smile for the camera. I hate being on camera, but I'm really good at smiling while I'm on camera, right? <laughs> being able to be consistently that same person, one of the greatest compliments I ever got when my coworkers hung out with me outside of work was like, wow, you are exactly the same way you are at work. I was like, yeah, I hope so. That's, that's important yeah. to me. 
Now, guys, we are spending some time getting to know Jeff because I want you to know who he is. You can't make a decision about what he has to say until you get a look at who the man is. In the next part of the show, we're going to get into some deeper water, so some major topics. We're going to roll our sponsor, and we will be right back with more from Jeff. I'm calling on all men right now to stand up and stand against this horrific crime. It is estimated that over 300,000 children are being sex trafficked in the United States alone every single day. I want you to get on your social media. I want you to follow savinginnocence.org or fightforme.net. Both of these charities are working to end child trafficking in the United States and abroad. You can donate at www.thefallibleman.com shop and buy our inhuman trafficking merchandise. And all proceeds will be given indefinitely to savinginnocence.org. You can also go to www.savinginnocence.org slash donate and donate directly to Saving Innocence. Men, it is time for us to fight and stop this horrible thing known as human trafficking. All right, guys, we're back here with Jeff Sink, a congressional candidate in Arizona, discussing faith, politics, and authenticity. Jeff, what purchase of $100 or less have you made in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? Uh, I bought uh, a couple of Bibles that we gave to some homeless people. Uh, there, uh, We've got a homeless encampment that's not very far from where I live. Um, and the thing is, is that because of our open borders that we have, we're, we're having a lot of uh, people. So uh, what I did was is I... I uh, spent uh, several of the Spanish-speaking uh, Bibles and was handing them out, and then through a translator was able to talk to them. And we're talking uh, talking to people from Honduras, from Nicaragua, uh, from Colombia uh, coming up here. And the thing is, is that um, what they want is what we have here in America. They, we have freedom. And where did that freedom come from? Um, it's surely not our government, it, but it's from God. And that's what our founding fathers had uh, told us uh, and written in the Constitution that uh, our freedoms come from God. And so okay. one of the things that I've really enjoyed is being able to uh, uh, talk with them and, and give them. And a lot of them that I've talked with, they, they, they know about Jose I mean, Jesus, uh, they know a little bit more about him, but mm-hmm. they don't they don't have that relationship. And so we're, we're able to sit down and actually meet uh, meet them and talk to them uh, and stuff. And then we also have a food uh, program that we do and stuff. But my personal hundred bucks was the Bibles that I was able to distribute out. Now, Jeff, we're going to get into some touchy subjects here, and I'll be careful how I phrase the questions for the YouTube <laughs> algorithms. Uh, guys, if you're listening to this on audio, audio and you can't find the video on YouTube, I'm also on Rumble, so you can find the video there because they won't take it down. Jeff, you were president on J6 2022 in D.C. What is your take on that day? Well, the purpose, uh, uh, contrary to the uh, J6 committee hearing that they're presenting right now, which we're watching and monitoring very closely, uh, I I didn't go because my president called me to have this insurrection. I went because I seriously thought that there was issues and problems uh, nationwide with the uh, election that was stolen. 
I know that we had seen a lot here in Arizona, and we were uh, uh, at the apex uh, of the Arizona audit, which I also worked. The thing is, is that I went there because I thought that uh, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, and uh, uh, Colorado uh, were all going to object to their electoral college votes. If they would have done that, then it would have thrown us into a uh, constitutional election at that point, meaning that all 50 states have one vote. In that, the House of Representatives of each state would uh, cast that vote and it would be along party lines. So 31 of the states were controlled by the Republican Party and I thought for the very first time that we were going to have a president elected through a uh, constitutional election. And I wanted to be present to observe and see that firsthand and watch our government in action. What I did see was something so much uh, different. Um, not only uh, was I there and present, but I observed uh, uh, people that were um, getting on helmets and goggles and masks, and they had grappling hooks, and they had, uh, you know, uh, different types of communications and stuff, and they were getting into Trump paraphernalia. We've got pictures and videos of all of those, um, and so what happened was is that uh, over uh, a time, we had just heard that Paul Gosar had stood up and objected to Arizona's electoral uh, uh, votes, uh, that Ted Cruz, because we didn't have a, uh, a senator with enough backbone to support uh, Paul Gosar, so Ted Cruz from Texas had to sign off on it. It was the one and the only uh, state that objected to the Electoral College because right after that, we had just cheered that that was happening. And I really seriously thought that that was about to happen. And uh, they were going to be uh, in session for two hours and debate this and stuff. Well, at that time, all of a sudden, there was an outbreak. And all of a sudden, all of these things uh, where they started having people go against the Capitol Police, uh, they started rushing towards the Capitol. Um, we had the, the police officers, the Capitol Police in front of us actually undo the bicycle barrier that we were at and motion us on uh, and, and told us, oh, absolutely, you can come on. It's not a big deal and stuff. So my son and I walked towards the uh, Capitol on the east side, which is away from what everybody else saw, uh, the the sheer wall and everything else, that was the west side. So that was on the uh, uh, complete opposite of where we were at. And so one of the things is, is that as I walk towards, now remember, you have to understand, December 24th, I was healed, but my health, I, I gradually got well. I wasn't instantaneously where I was able to walk you know, uh, six weeks, uh, I mean, 12 weeks, six to eight hours a day. Um, I, I, my body had to recover 
from me literally for two and a half years laying in the bed and, and on the couch and, and being inactive. So I wasn't moving very slow, uh, very fast. I was, I was very in a weak condition, but for some reason I had enough strength to go and, and observe uh, what was taking place. So as I walked towards the Capitol and observing, we took pictures and video and I have all those. And then what we did was, is that once we went up the steps uh, there, I turned to the, to the right and went to the Senate side of the porch to get away from the big crowd and everything else. There's where I and my son videoed uh, another gentleman, uh, uh, Hunter Emke, 20 years old, Black Lives Antifa activist, uh, started kicking in windows uh, and punching windows. He was then arrested. We have all that on video. It's been turned over to the FBI. I spent an hour and a half being interrogated by the FBI uh, in regards to this. Um, And then after we had stopped filming and they had taken him away, uh, we, we did the research and we found out that 20 minutes after he had been arrested, he was released on his own recognizance. So one of the things that he was allowed to do was to go back to California, where he was then told to, at some point, which was in later in around um, uh, August, uh, he appeared before the judge and was given no jail time, no, um, no bail, an ankle monitor told him that he could go to work in, in, in the area uh, uh, at, at his home, but that uh, he would wait until they actually had a trial for him. Now, let's move forward to what happened to my son. My son on February the 14th, now you have to understand, we, we filmed everything that Hunter did. We never went inside, we, we were on the porch, uh, we assisted the um, uh, Capitol Police in helping them, and I gave them my card. That's how the FBI found out about um, my son and myself. So what they did was, is on February the 4th at 3.30 in the morning, the FBI uh, in Lubbock, Texas, came to my son's home, tore the front end of his home out. They entered into his house. They flashbanged him and his dog. Uh, they arrested him. Then he was then transported to the Lubbock Police uh, uh, Department's uh, jail cell where he was apprehended there until he was uh, uh, about two weeks. He had to uh, stay there because there were snowstorms so bad that uh, they couldn't get a plane out of Texas to go to Washington, D.C. at that time. So he stayed there. And uh, then he was transported uh, to Washington, D.C., where then he was placed into the gulag that, that was there. Now, the, the thing is, is that this is going to be uh, pretty tough because what I'm going to describe is what he has told me uh, uh, took place inside the, the prison itself. The, uh, he was put in isolation. Uh, three eggs and mayonnaise is described as a meal. He was oftentimes given one meal a day. Um, He would go three to five days without being allowed out of his cell. At that time, he would be released for about an hour to shower and shave. He was then placed back into solitary confinement. Uh, 
one of the things that would happen at nine o'clock at night is that all of the prisoners, because they could they could uh, holler and you could hear each other uh, doing that at nine o'clock, they'd start the Pledge of Allegiance. My son stated that uh, uh, the guards would come in and start batoning guys to get them to shut up and not to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, not only did they do the Pledge of Allegiance, but they'd sing the national anthem. And during that time, they were being beaten. Um, and so the thing is, is that <clears throat> we need to understand that these people uh, and, and my son, while he had four charges and was facing 47 years in, in federal penitentiary if he's convicted, have now since been, uh, most of them have been dropped. He's still facing 22 years, but on July the 8th of this year coming up, he's going to go for the 10th time before a federal judge. The prosecutor has not given discovery of what my son has done. They've said that he entered into the Capitol building, which is a lie, and that uh, we interrupted a congressional Senate hearing uh, and, and which was trespassing uh, because of that would, was also another form of trespassing. Uh, the other two charges he had was which was on federal grounds uh, and then uh, also uh, in, uh, fighting with the Capitol Police. Now, my testimony, our videos and everything else, they have dropped the, the interaction with the police. They dropped the uh, 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 trespassing but they've still maintained that they have evidence of him being inside the Capitol and that uh, they're still saying that we interrupted the Congressional Senate hearing and stuff. So the thing is, is that uh, you would think that there would be a um, speedy trial. Uh, our, our, Congress, our Congress is set up and our, and our laws, uh, we need to understand, we don't live in a democracy. I, 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 it just, I cringe every time I hear we live in this democracy. We do not. We live in a republic. If you, if you remember your Pledge of Allegiance, it says to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. We need to understand that it is the rule of law, not the rule of people that uh, uh, our founding fathers had set up and so what we need to do is we need to go back to this republic. So in that, it states that you're supposed to have a speedy trial, which hasn't happened. But we also have many, many people with that have the same charges as my son. Not everybody has $80,000 to drop on an attorney to get their son out. We were very fortunate in being able to do that. And so he got out six weeks after that because I got a phone call from him. We were going to allow him to stay in as long as he felt comfortable. But when a 32-year-old man calls you crying, going, Dad, they just batoned a guy. There's blood uh, 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 there that was on the batons. They were coming after me. I don't know if they killed this guy or not, but uh, we already heard the uh, ambulance. They've transported these uh, these people out. Get me out of here, please, please. I can't do this anymore. Okay, so what are you going to do if you have the uh, uh, the ability? You're going to get your son out of that position. And so by that, he has lost his First Amendment rights. He's under a gag order. He's lost his Second Amendment rights. It, now, he's not charged with any violent 
charges, yet they stripped him of his uh, uh, Second Amendment right. So we we are are fighting those charges. And like I said, on July uh, the 8th, we're going to go for the 10th time before the federal judge and uh, the prosecutor hopefully uh, will drop the charges. That's what it seems like we're heading to because they just cannot provide any evidence supporting their case against him because uh, it, it, we didn't do anything that he, uh, he did uh, or what they're charging us with. So what I always tell everybody is, is that our, our government is set up that you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Today, in this atmosphere right now, we have uh, you are guilty until proven Democrat. Let me and so let me take this a little bit further. We were talking just before we came on of a news story that was just breaking. Okay, Stephen Colbert, who is part of the mainstream media and he's a comedian and everything else, and he has his opinion. And that's the great thing about our country is is that you can believe whatever you want and you have the right to do that. However, he had seven of his top staff break into the uh, Capitol. Okay, so two days ago they broke into the Capitol. Uh, well, I, let me rephrase that: not broke in. They were let in by Adam Schiff's staff, and then they uh, were kicked out. Then they were let in again by another congressman's staff. The second time they were arrested inside the Capitol. They have pictures, they've got video, they've got everything. What we're trying to do right now is we're scrambling as, as we speak. Uh, and as soon as I get off of this, I've got to get on the phone because I've got, you know, attorneys that are calling me, uh, you know, with information and how we're going to, you know, uh, fight this because now we have the other side actually doing what they're uh, saying that the uh, J6ers did, and the and and in some of those that you know, I'm not condoning any violence. I, I went there to peacefully observe and and to let my voice be heard. And any person that went in and did damage and 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 did anything to harm anybody else, they need to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I, I have no qualms about that. And there are seven, there's over 740 uh, uh, prisoners, 600 of them did not do anything. They did not get in, uh, they didn't engage with the uh, police. They didn't uh, go inside. They didn't damage anything with the federal, uh, but they're charged. And so it's the 600 that we're working on uh, across the nation uh, with about 140 different uh, attorneys. Peter Tickton, President Trump's personal attorney, is also involved. And I'm in com conversations with all of these attorneys uh, on a daily basis and stuff. And we've got uh, Trennis Evans and Weston Martin in Texas, which we introduced a 16-page brief to uh, Ken Paxton, which would be the sovereign rights of an individual. But here's where my son's case actually even turns uh, another uh, deal. About a month and a half ago, I get a, a phone call from a, a magistrate judge in Texas. And she said, Mr. Zink, I need to talk to you about your son. And I said, okay, what do you need to know? And, and as she started revealing, she was a former FBI agent. She then went into law school 
Then as, as she went through, went to the ranks and became a magistrate judge. See, the thing is, is that the federal government and the FBI are actually infringing on the sovereign rights of, uh, of our individual uh, people. This is where godly men and women need to stand up. We need to understand our rights because our rights and liberties that are given to us by God are trying to be taken by our government and this is what's this is the reason why we're in the fight and what's going on. So when the FBI went to the uh, judge, the federal judge in Washington D.C., and the evidence that they presented to them, they were allowed to get a no-knock warrant. They were supposed to go to the magistrate judge who called me and and said, "I need to tell you what's gone on with your son." And, and what the FBI did was, is that they didn't go to her court. They went to another judge in Abilene that was a Democratic judge. Mm -hmm. And he signed off on the state of Texas, allowing the no-knock to be served by the FBI. They then went in, served that no-knock warrant at 3 o'clock in the morning on February the 4th, and then took him out. Once they did that, then they abducted and then kidnapped my son uh, out of the state of Texas. The reason why that I state it so clearly is that they had falsely given information to the federal judge. How did I know that? Was because the magistrate judge that called me and said um, that it was a slow news day and what happened was is that they then turned around and she started looking up uh, my son's case because she goes, I don't remember uh, his name coming through my court and he's in my jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Since she is a Republican and a conservative, she would have never signed off on that no-knock warrant. She would have not allowed them to uh, uh, do what they did to him. So what happened was is that they they knew that they went to another uh, Democratic judge. That judge then signed off on it and it was served. Then he was then uh, extradited to Washington D.C. when he was supposed to appear before the uh, uh, judge in t the state of Texas because Texas has a sovereign nation uh, a state, yeah. just like every other state is. So these are things that what we're fighting at the national level and what I'm involved in uh, right now is trying to get the word out of all of the different people that if you're involved in this, to reach out to me, let me know so we can get you with one of our attorneys and stuff and, because we're trying to get a unified front. And this is where this is very important of getting this word out. So the thing is, is that um, why do I do this? Because it's the right thing to do not because of my son. It's the right thing to do. But God put me in a position to see firsthand what's going on. The FBI came at me, couldn't find anything. So they didn't uh, do anything. And like I said uh, earlier, I've had a phone call that says that if you will drop out of the race, your son's charges will be dropped. I've had, if you'll drop out of the uh, uh, race, you'll have all the money that you want to have uh, and, and you won't ever have to uh, work or do anything. You know, you can have the high life or whatever. But at what cost of the people and the others that are involved in this, 
Why would I turn my back on them? Godly men and women are not supposed to do that. And that's what that's the difference. That's why I've been uh, 20 hours a day for the last uh, you know year and a half of listening to other people's, not just my son's case, but other people's cases, helping them and working with them and then uh, working with the attorney generals in about 15 different states across the United States. And as we're doing this, this is the fight. So that's why, and, and I'm just one guy. Um, so if anybody wants to get involved and you want to roll up your sleeves and you really want to see the underbelly of, uh, of our country and how bad it's uh, the depravity of man has gotten, uh, by all means, call me. Uh, I can put you to work. I can. I, I'll give you more than than you can handle uh, because my slate is really full right now. All right. So your son is home for now, but still still fighting the charges. Mm. Still fighting them, you well, know. And, and like I said, we'll find out July the eighth uh, what happens, and um, you know, and whatever God does, he's still he's still on the throne. Um, and I will accept whatever uh, they try to do. Uh, but the thing is, is that I want to be able to not only on my deathbed and when I stand before God, I want to be able to say uh, to him, I did everything I possibly could, not just for my son, but for every person that was involved in this because they've been falsely accused. I want to be able to say to him that I've done everything, and then I want those words told to me that every Christian man and woman wants to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my home. That is what I want. And so everything else here on earth is, is it's just, what do we do and, and how do we stand? And that's where, when you went back to integrity, you know, what is the definition? The true definition of integrity is what do you do when nobody is looking? And if you're willing to go behind the scenes, your your listeners for the very first time are literally hearing me and are going, oh, my gosh, this guy's involved with the audit, uh, Arizona audit and was uh, and testified that he was at uh, J6 and everything else. I'm one guy. But God has placed me in a position where I'm the most controversial congressional candidate in the country, and I have a heart for God. I'm an ordained minister, and this is where Esther comes into place for such a time as this. And if you, as uh, as a leader, and you go, gosh, I don't know uh, if I can do this or not, then um, don't pray the prayer that I prayed. I trust me, do not pray, God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I will do that. Don't pray that prayer because I promise you, our country needs people. We need men, we need women, we need leaders. We've got to have godly people that are going to do the right thing for the right reasons when nobody else is looking around. This is the reason why we're doing this. So I was called for such a time as this, and I'm a nobody. So just think what you can do with somebody like yourself, you know, and and that's the listener that's listening right now. What can God do if you took the challenge and you stood up and you said, I'm not going to do this. We're going to start placing biblical principles back into our schools. 
We're going to put biblical principles back into our churches. And then let's put them into our city councils, our board of supervisors, our legislatives at the state level, and let's do it at the federal level. And let's bring God back to one of the greatest countries in the world that has ever seen. God gave us this country and our church and godly men and women went to sleep and have not allowed uh, and have allowed Satan to take control of it. And that's why we're here now. So we as the sheepdogs need to stand up and start working on getting our country back. And that's that's what we need to do. How's the polls going for you? I uh, was trying to dig it up, but finding Arizona's third district, I, I saw one, I found one poll on Politico that has uh, the Democratic incumbent just steamrolling life. How, how is it from there? Because I don't know where to look. Um, so I, as I go, uh, uh, let's see, it was, yes, it was last night. Boy, my days go together. So last oh. night I was at a business uh, uh, gathering where all of the Latino businesses, now you have to understand, CD3 is made up of 67% Latino. 8% black, 2% Asian, uh, uh, 2% Native American, and the rest are Caucasian. So um, I'm in a minority. Um, CD3 has been represented by the Democratic Party since 2000. So for 22 years, the Democratic Party has had our uh, district. Out of that, in 2000, 12% of the population was below the poverty line. Today, in 2022, 67% of the population is below the poverty line. That's insane. We have no manufacturing. We have no businesses. The Latinos voted uh, in 2020. And for that, what, what has now happened is that Central uh, and, and below I-10, which is the heart of my district, and it's all Latino-owned businesses Nobody voted for a light rail, yet the city council overruled the voting people and said, no, they don't understand what they, you know, they, they misinterpreted, we need to do that. And they awarded all of the, tra uh, the uh, contracts and all of Central is now torn up. And all of the Latino businesses are going out of business now. They're punishing the Latino businesses and owners that, that made their voice heard. They're now punishing them. And the congressmen and the representatives that are here in this district did nothing for, these, uh, for the people here. And so I live um, uh, in the heart of CD3, um, and our congressman just moved and has a nice little house in a gated community that uh, nobody can come in yet. He voted for, um, you know, to keep our borders open and for everybody to come in. But yet they make sure that none of the, the people are dropped off anywhere near where he lives. But they are definitely being dropped off where I live. And I see it and I go to the park in the mornings walking my dog. And I have to deal with homelessness uh, uh, and homeless people in the park every day and, and stuff and try to help them. And, and here's the other thing. I've got an elementary school. Now, right now, it's not a big deal, but I have an elementary school right next door to that park. 
So when I walk in the mornings during school, I have to call the police. I have to get those people out of there because I don't know what type of person's there. And I'm trying to protect our children, uh, our elementary children that's right there and try to get them. Uh, and I don't want them moved. So I'm working with several organizations here to make sure that they're placed someplace where they can get help. But, I, but I've done that. Uh, every day during school year and stuff. And so these are all of the things that um, I'm having to deal with directly uh, with what's taking place. So, um, Hopefully the grassroots campaigns will work well, you know. Business yeah. owners are pretty savvy. They, they understand what's hurting them and what's not. So hopefully that goes in your direction. I was reviewing some of your proposed legislations on your website and on the merit alone, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I uh, feel very strongly about veterans affairs and your proposal mm -hmm. on Kyle's bill is, which would stipulate VA pay for a service provider for an appointment if they cannot facilitate it within 30 days or immediately mm -hmm. for mental health services, which is amazing right. and long, long overdue. Um, the cut the fat bill per proposal is long overdue and guys i will have links to his website okay in the notes you can go to the front page of his website and scroll down and it's right there it's a free download you can download all the bills he wants to propose and bring into congress with him um they make sense they, they make so much sense but don't take my word for it go to his website okay it's jeff zinc for congress and that's a uh, sorry sorry that's four my, my wife well, is, it, it can be either or oh, okay. it can be the well, number four or four i have both domains okay so he's got both domains so it can be four spelled or four for the number right uh, and we'll add that stream right there if you're watching on video you guys can see he's got a lovely website but right there on page one okay you can go down and it is right here on the page and you can download the free pdf version of all the bills that he is interested in bringing and introducing to Congress. Uh, and you can see for yourself exactly what he is intending to bring, what he's intending to show you guys. I, I didn't get through all 15 that are in there. I leafed through a couple of them that caught my attention and man, they're common sense bills that should have, some of them should have been done so long ago. Uh, the veteran stuff is so close to my heart. My friend's dad mm -hmm. is struggling right now. They actually just submitted him for, uh, what was it? The Agent Orange. Um, oh, because yes, what's yes. going on with his head. They actually just submitted him for review for the Agent Orange poisoning in Vietnam um, because he's he's hit that turn. And we talked to a couple friends and was like, this is what you need to submit because this is what is happening to him. Right. It is well, and for any service. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, is for any veteran, uh, and again, um, I, I was raised by a World War II vet, my, bro my older brother. There's 13 years between me and my older brother, uh, and he served in Vietnam. And the thing is, is that uh, while we have an organization called uh, 22aday.org, that number is actually 26 now. We're losing 26 veterans a day. And the thing is, is that... Um, what my my heart because uh i got uh literally i thought that the va was a really great place that that it was all taken care of and stuff because when my father went to the va 
I went with him. Now you have to understand at that time I had 20, I had 28 years um, of sports medicine behind me at that time in an active practice and stuff. So I go with my father and the um, nurse practitioner comes in and everything. And I said, well, you know, where's the doctor? And she goes, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm it. And so I sat down and I said, well, I've got some questions. You have three medications right here. One is the uh, generic drug. One is the same drug, but it's an off-label. And one is the prescription. You have my father on the same prescription, three drugs, okay, taking this. And I said, and his side effects are, are this. And she goes, oh, okay, so are, who are you? You know, and I said, well, I'm his son. And I said, I've been in, uh, in medicine for, uh, you know, 20 uh, or I guess 23 years at that time when I first started. And then um, she immediately goes, oh, OK, well, hold on. And then leaves. The doctor comes in. Now we talk face to face and, and, and everything else. Then after that, I go back because I was in another state at that time. And I go back and my my brother called me and he goes, what did you do for dad? And I said, I don't know why. And he goes, well, every time he calls, he gets an appointment. Every time I call, I get appointment. We get to see the doctor. Uh, you know, I, the the care went at top class. Now, why? Because all of a sudden, they realized that there was somebody that had a, uh, had a medical background that understood and was watching them. That's the problem that I have because most of our veterans don't have an advocate. They don't have a son. So guess what? I want to be the adopted son of every veteran or brother or uncle or whatever you want to do. And I want to, I want to uh, uh, put together uh, a task force that's actually going to go through the VA. And we're going to uh, – and so Kyle Chandler, let me talk about Kyle a little bit. Kyle is a guy that he went to uh, um, Afghanistan and he was in some of the worst fighting that was taking place. In fact, um, uh, part of the things that uh, was told to me is that um, he ended up having to do hand-to-hand -hand combat with several people that he had to kill. Uh, and, and when you do that, that changes a person's uh, uh completely Entire. it's one thing to shoot somebody from a long ways away but when you have two or three guys attacking you and you're you're having to you know take that person's life i i don't know what that is and or what that's like but it changes a person and so kyle got in uh got into trouble um and and was really hurting and reached out to the va and when he reached out to the VA, they told him it would be six months before they, he could be seen. He was in dire need right then. He needed help right then and stuff. And so one of the things that um, uh, happened was he actually hung up the phone. And when he hung up the phone, he took a gun and he walked out in the backyard and he shot himself. Um, we can't do this. Our, uh, we we have uh, valued people. You're human beings. You're asked to do terrible things. 
uh, in war. We we asked uh, a lot of our veterans and our soldiers and stuff. And I and the thing is, is that you may look at a, a veteran and you thank them. And I do. I say and I thank you for your service. And, and I thank every person for their service. But the toll that takes place on that individual, especially if they're in combat like that, is a heavy price that we've asked them to pay so that we can walk around and burn our flags. That's freedom of speech. We can say things like we don't like America. It's a horrible place uh, there. We allow uh, gays and lesbians to uh, have a lifestyle here, which would not be in any other country at all. But because of our freedoms, we, we allow that freedom to take place. But what I have to try to remind people is this. It's not free. It comes at a huge price and a heavy toll, and our veterans are paying it. And for us to turn our backs on them, I, I cannot nor will I stand for that to take place. So that's one of the bills that I personally have, uh, I'm going to bring forward, and that's the reason behind. And I want to bring Kyle's mother I promised her when that goes to the floor for a vote, she's going to be in the gallery and she's going to get to see that her son didn't die in vain, that he's going to be able to be recognized for the what he has gone through. And that's for me, that's just a small thing that I can do for her and, and for Kyle. But, you know, the thing is, is that it's not just them. It's all of our veterans. And we need to sit down and literally start taking care of of those. And here's the other thing, which I'm going to parlay in, which I don't have on my website, but the Uvalde uh, shooting. One of the things that I want to do and I'm going to start working on is this. I want to take our veterans. I want to give them a job. And if they're homeless, start giving them a job. I'm going to, I'm going to let them protect our most valuable uh, possession, which is our children. We shouldn't have gun-free zones. They should be walking the halls with our veterans. Our veterans should be able to walk those halls with an, uh, an AR-15, with a, a handgun, with whatever they, they uh, feel comfortable uh, carrying. And then they get to talk to these kids. And those kids get to ask questions. What was it like? Why did you fight? And we educate our children with the price of what our veterans have to pay. And we transfer that knowledge to our younger children and we grow them up. But if somebody wants to come take our precious uh, uh, children, they're going to be, uh, it will be at such a heavy cost because our veterans are trained to take the enemy out. And that's what we need to do. And that's, that's another one that I'm going to uh, put uh, together and bring to the floor. I would vote for you if nothing else for that one bill right there. <laughs> the, the Kyle's bill for sure. Um, but man, my, my wife and I've had that very conversation. It's like, we got so many veterans who are coming home and struggling with coming back into society, but they have these incredible skills and they're struggling to find jobs where they feel like they're still serving. And a lot of them need that so badly. Mm -hmm. we, we have all these problems here. Here's the solution. We have a, skilled force that can keep our children safe. Uh, man, yeah, no, I, I would vote for you just on that alone, man. That's that just feel that you need to move to Washington, run for 
because <laughs> our congressmen suck up here. Um, I, I won't even mince words. They, they're an embarrassment. I'm sorry. But, well, to, to let you understand just how bad our uh, uh, who I'm running against, um, I'll say his name one time, Ruben Gago. Um, he is the gentleman, and you can look him up. Um, he was with Eric Swalwell in uh, Qatar, uh, topless in shorts on the back of a camel, had his arms raised. Both of them had their arms raised, and, and you can look for this picture and everything else. Now, I don't know if you know about Qatar. That's a Muslim country. Men are supposed to conduct themselves in that country where their neck to their ankles are to be covered from their shoulder to their sleeves to, to their uh, wrists are to be covered, okay? They don't have enough respect for another country's culture and their belief system that that's what they do. I would never, ever do that. While I, I um, don't believe the same way as a Muslim, I will tell you that if I go in, when I go into a country of another faith, I honor and respect them and will hold their culture and make sure that I always present them. That's what we're supposed to do. Just like godly men, you know, and and uh, for the uh, ladies that are that are looking for for men, here's how you find one that's that's really good. You make sure that the man is going to care for you. See, a woman doesn't need to be taken care of. She wants a man to just care for her. And there's a huge difference between those two and how, how we do this. We, uh, you have to be worthy of leading her. And if she can't trust you to lead her, she won't follow you. So we as, as godly men need to make sure that we hold true to what God's uh, design is and making sure that just like when I first met my wife and I said, would you follow me? And she goes, oh, no, I wouldn't. Twelve years later, you ask her that question now, she'll follow me wherever she wants because she knows that I follow God and I don't deviate from that and stuff. And especially during the, the uh, valley, she watched me walk with God and, and, and always praised him. And she and that was where she struggled. She's how do you praise a, man, uh, a God that has you hurting so bad? And I said, it's sin. This is a consequence of sin. It's not him. Uh, I said, if he if he truly wanted to judge me, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in heaven with him. And the only difference is, is that since God, since Christ died for me and my sins, I would be in heaven and it had nothing to do with me. So these are the things as fallible men that we need to set down. If you want to get to the core, what, what you're now starting to pick at and there and finding through these bills and uh, and stuff is truly who I am. This was this is behind the scenes when nobody's there, why do I have this passion? What what's dri the driving force for me? And that's because God stood up for me. I can certainly stand up for my fellow man and my fellow woman and I can give them a hand up and and brush them off. And then we we just keep moving together, but we're going to do this together. 
future Congressman Zink. I'm going to say that because I'm, <laughs> I'm counting on this. Ladies and gentlemen, because I know we have women who listen to the show as well. The most powerful thing you have right now in getting involved in politics is to go vote. Go vote in your primaries. Go vote mm-hmm. in your local elections. Decide what kind of world, what kind of country you want to live in. Find out what the political candidates are all about and vote with your heart and your soul for the future of our children, for the future of our country and the world you want to live in. I I will hold you to it. When you become congressman, I would like to have you back. Absolutely. I would love to have you on here and just continue to follow the story. Uh, our prayers are with you and your son. That's a, that's a huge fight. And God will sort that out, hopefully very soon for you. I know God will sort that out in the end, but hopefully sooner than later. Um, but I am just, I, the things you are trying to bring forward, I hope, I hope, because I, I worry about our government all the time and I pray about it all the time. Thank you for taking the time to share with us. We will have links for Jeff Sink's website, for his Facebook, for his Instagram. So you guys, I want you to not ever take my word for things. Okay, I try and bring you guys enough information so you can then go and follow up and make your own decisions because that's what you need to do as men. Not take anyone's word for it. Go look yourself. Be very cut, careful about who you trust your opinion with. And that includes me. I don't, I'm, I'm on a journey myself, guys. I am fallible. So go and look. We will have all the links so you can find Jeff Zink, find out exactly the man he is and what he is about. I hope you've had a glimpse of that today. Jeff, thank you for taking the time to be on the show and spend some time with us and share your heart. And uh, God bless as you head forward, hopefully to Congress. I, I'm looking very forward to that election. And guys, as always, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And we'll see you on the next one. This has been the Fellable Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.